Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you've ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. My guest today is Valerie Cameron. Valerie is a radio personality in Salt Lake City, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself, Val. What do you want people to know? Well, I mean, I think that's um, one thing. You and I have known each other for a long time in radio, and uh, I am now a radio personality on uh, in Salt Lake City on B98.7. I'm also um, a mom. I'm also a podcaster. Um, and... Uh, I don't know, all around, I guess, creative person. I just like to to do a lot of things usually. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Val, when you Uh, think back to when you were younger and you you kind of pictured your adult life, what did you see for yourself? What were your hopes and dreams? So I kind of had two different pictures of my life. When I I was like in junior high, high school, uh, I've been a very independent person my entire life. Um, and I always knew I wanted to do kind of um, different and big things. Like I wasn't a young girl that thought I want to grow up, get married, have a bunch of babies and and be a stay at home mom. That was never a part of how I looked at myself. Yeah. So I honestly kind of thought of myself when I was younger is that I was going to grow up. I was going to have a career and I was probably going to adopt children. I never actually saw myself as being married. I know that's really weird. Um, especially because I grew up in a very traditional Italian Catholic family where everyone's married. They all have kids. My mom was the oldest of eight, you know, kids in this Italian Catholic family. And there's a lot of traditions that go along with that. Um, And I had boyfriends and stuff growing up. It just wasn't ever my highest relationships were never my highest priority. I guess you can say Um, I always wanted to go out into the world and do things. Um, and then that all changed when I met the right person. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you meet, you meet someone and then your out, your life, um, outlook kind of changes. Sure. You were married and for I, a long time and yeah, you've met, somewhat recently gone through a divorce. How did yeah, that relationship I, develop? What did that look like that kind of changed your so mind? I'm, yeah, I mean, you know, you fall in love and, and uh, you just kind of start looking at the world differently. And I met my ex-husband when um, I was 18 years old. Um, I actually knew him before that because our, our families grew up across the street from each other, but not in like a romantic way. I didn't see him like that. So when we were 18, we met up again and we just immediately attached ourselves to each other and we dated for three years. Um, and then I got pregnant, so we got married and then we were married for 17 years. So I was with this person for 20 years of my life, half of my life. I'm 40 now. So it's yeah. like I spent half of my life with someone. And when, and I think because my family was so traditional, I just thought, okay, when you get married and you have a baby, then you should automatically be this kind of person. You know what I mean? Like you're a mom, you should wear these mom clothes. You should have this mom haircut. <laughs> You should, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I, I did, I did that thing for about a year and I was like, this is not me. This is, I'm going out of my mind. Um, and so I got back into kind of working and cause I've always loved to work. Um, I really like, uh, working. I know that sounds weird, but I do. Um, and, uh, you know, but I loved being a, a mom, but I was young when I had, um, my daughter, I was 22. Yeah. Um, that was definitely not in my plan. My plan for me and my ex-husband is actually we uh, we're going to go to college in San Francisco to go to art school. I was going to go to film school. He was going to go to art school, and that's what we were going to do. So we kind of, you know, our plan went in a different direction, and uh, I just kind of went with it. I'm just kind of that person. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to make the best out of it. We're going to have a good time. Um, but, you know, not everybody works that way, and unfortunately, about a year, a little over a year ago, um, my uh, ex-husband asked for a divorce. Um, I did not see it coming, although we were not very happy. Um, I just, I, you know, I grew up in a family that you just work it out and you stay married, you know? And so I just didn't, yeah. I didn't see it coming, but I do think it was like the best thing um, that could have happened. Uh, mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't see that at the time. I was totally devastated. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, I just, I, everything, we had just bought a house. Oh, wow. Um, it was like two weeks after we had moved into a house, you know, but he was really unhappy. And I and it w- I was really proud of him 
for having the courage to tell me because he's one of those people that when he commits to something, regardless of how he feels, he sticks with it. What are your thoughts on that? Like when you say that's how your family was, you get married, you stay married, you know, and then you say, well, well, I'm really proud of him that he was able to come forth and say, hey, I'm not happy. What do you what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think so. There's there's two different things. And I think I know that that kind of probably contradicts itself. This is my thing. I feel like if you haven't tried your hardest to fix it, yeah, then there's still some room for improvement. If you don't think that you can work through it and fix it, you shouldn't stay. Um, so I felt at the time that we could have worked it out. He felt in his heart that he just was not happy with himself therefore could not be happy in the situation and he really needed to go find himself. And so I respected that because I don't want him to stay with me out of, um, because I felt responsible. I want to be with somebody who loves me. Yeah. Um, and for him, he, he felt responsible. He wanted to take care of me. He wanted to take care of his daughter, but he didn't love me and he was unhappy. So I think in that situation, if you really feel like you can't fix it, don't just stay in a situation, whether it be a relationship or a job or a friendship if you're not happy and you can't see a way to be happy. Well, and I think that Um, you make a really important point in saying he was not happy with himself. I can really relate to that. And I truthfully feel like in my marriage, the space that I was in with myself, I couldn't have worked it out with anybody until I found myself and I was at peace with who I am and worked through some of my issues. And maybe that's, that's true for a lot of people. I It's like sounds so cliche to say like you can't love someone else before you love yourself. But I've found that to be very true. Yeah. Well, and I also think like there's some of us that we put so much love into other people that we we kind of lose sight of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and that's not actually love. If you have to um, put yourself aside uh, to be in a relationship, um, then that's, that's not a good, healthy place to be either. And so after, you know, I kind of got through the devastation of the divorce and I really, cause I just immediately before he t- had told me he wanted a divorce, I had already started working on making myself a happier person because, um, about a month, not even that, like less than a month before he told me he wanted a divorce, I had, attempted suicide and I had not told him. Wow. And why do you Um, think you got to that place? There's a couple different reasons. I had been in a deep depression, but I hadn't realized that that's what it was. I thought I was burnt out. Yeah. But I was also, um, because I was having really bad migraines, my neurologist had put me on some medication so that I could sleep. Um, and that medication was counteractive with my, um, antidepressant that I had been put on a year earlier. And so it was working against each other and basically telling my brain that I didn't want to be here. Yeah. So they're like thoughts that I, I was just lethargic every day because of this medication. Um, But that also let me tap out of all the other things that were unhappy in my life. So I'm not saying it's all medication. I chose to keep taking it, even though it, it made me feel the way that it felt. Um, I'm now off of all medications except, you know, I, so I don't, I, I, I have some heavy um, responses about medication. I think that some people need it, but I also think that for me, it's just not the right thing. Yeah. Um, but so I had already, the, the day after that happened, I just woke up and I said, I'm not living this way anymore. I'm going to do all the things that I've been putting off that you say tomorrow, 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 I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to start writing. I'm going to start painting. I'm going to start, you know, making dinner every night for me and my family and, and, and prioritizing my time with my husband and prioritizing my time with my kid and really like be in my life again, because for almost two years I was like living outside of my life um, because of depression. And so I just, from that point, I just said, I'm, I'm doing this. And so when my ex told me he wanted a divorce, I was already in this kind of upswing of um, I'm going to be living a better life. So all I immediately went to was we can fix this. We can get through this. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And he didn't get how I was at that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? He'd like, lived with you for the past couple of years being very depressed. 
too. Right. So that and probably stuck that with him. He, he didn't think I was depressed. He thought I was just unhappy with him. Interesting. And so we okay. both had been like, like separating each other from our own lives because I thought he was unhappy and he was, he thought I was unhappy and I was, but there was a couple different things going on. So we didn't, we didn't have good communication basically. Yeah. And so, but once I realized that it just wasn't going to happen, that we weren't going to get back together, I kind of, I was devastated and sad. However, I just kept, it worked really hard to stay on an upswing. I just went to the gym every single day. I was reading books. I cut almost everyone out of my life because I really just needed to focus on me and my daughter and me deciding what I was going to do. Which um, I completely there, applaud you for because I think going through anything that difficult, you really go one, uh, you can go two different directions. You can fall off the deep end and go into major yeah. depression or right. you take action and you hit the gym and you make major changes yeah. in your life. And so <laughs> I think that's really yeah, neat. For me, for me, the gym just like saved my life because I, for me, I feel like when you're going through a major change and when you need to heal for some reason, you need to find at least one thing in your life that you can control that nobody else can do for you. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was the gym. Whether I went and I was there for five minutes or I was there for two hours, every day I could say, I did it. I went, I got up, I went to the gym, I didn't stay in bed, I wasn't wallowing, I allowed myself to cry when I needed to cry, um, but I just, I made sure I went to the gym. Plus the gym working out gives you endorphins, so you feel a lot better, yeah, right? It's so it's like a natural high. Amazing. And yeah. I could control it. And when I saw myself losing weight, that was a way for me to say, look what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So, And it was a great distraction. Um, sure. So, you know, it kind of fit all of these holes of what I needed to do. Um, and a lot of people didn't really respond well to the fact that I didn't, I, I couldn't, help anyone else. And that's weird for me because I'm usually really involved with a lot of things. I'm going, I'm volunteering, um, I'm working on events and projects and I'm out going everywhere and I just had to shut it all down. I was home, I was at the gym, I was with my daughter That's and I was at work. Like that's what it was. And I, except for some friends that just really made sure that they checked in with me and they came to my house and said, okay, put pants on, we're going to go, mm -hmm. you know, do this. Like I really just, I needed to focus on what I was going to do next. I needed to focus on healing because obviously I felt kind of um, betrayed uh, by my ex a little bit. I felt uh, thrown away. Uh, I felt replaced. Like all these things that you go through when somebody gets rid of you, that's what I felt like, you know, like, and, and then all of the things that you start thinking about that you could have gone back and done better or where, you know, like, so I just had to start the healing process and you can't help everyone else when, when you're going through that. And no, so it's I the old finish. oxygen mask theory of you've yeah. got to put on your own oxygen mask before you can help anyone else. And that's, that's really true. Yeah. So I just, yeah. So I just kind of, you know, had to do that. And some people understood and some people didn't, and that's okay. You know, and, and I, those relationships that didn't heal, uh, now that it's a year later, you just kind of realize, okay, well, maybe we didn't need each other in each other's lives. I don't have any ill will towards it because everybody's got to do what they need to do for themselves. Yeah. What um, was it like for you going through this and being in the public eye? Well, that's what's a little tricky because um, when I had told my morning show partner uh, that I had attempted suicide, he immediately was like, one, I'm really sorry that I didn't know what was going on, but nobody knew. Nobody knows. Sure. You know, I, I, it's my job to make you feel like I'm okay. Mm -hmm. um, that's what you and I are trained to do. We're trained to put a smile on our face. We're trained yep. to make you feel like you're my best friend and that, that everything is good and happy and whatever you go to, you show up to work every day, you smile, you go home and cry. And, um, Absolutely. But he immediate, he immediately said, you need, if you can, you need to share this. Because everybody thinks, and people will tell me all the time, Val, you live such a great life. Hmm. Um, you know, I wish that I had half the thing. And I do, I have done a lot of really cool things. I can't say that I haven't. But nobody knows what's going on at, with anyone behind closed doors. And no. he said, if you share this, this is powerful because there's so many people out there that probably feel the same way as you. And if you show them that, that you're not perfect, 
you know, and that they're not alone. And I said, absolutely. So then I had to go to my boss <laughs> and tell him. And I remember at this point, I hadn't told anyone. So I told my ex because I didn't want him to get back together with me because he felt bad that I attempted suicide. Right. Yeah. So I told him and I said, this is not you. This is separate. I said, but this is what happened. And then when I had enough courage to tell my daughter, um, then I figured I could go on the air and tell my story. And I did actually a year ago, three days ago. And what was the response from The response was so amazing. I got so many emails and so many Facebook DMs and so many phone calls of people that just said, I have felt like this for so long and I just thought there was something wrong with me. And I, you know, didn't know that someone like you could feel the same way as me, you know, because people just feel like they're not worth anything and they're worthless. And that if you're, and I don't think that I'm famous, but if you're somewhat, you know, prominent, whatever, that you're happy and that you have everything, but we're all human, you know, and we Mm -hmm. all go through the same stuff regardless of what our job is or how much money we have or who is in our life. And so, you know, if, if me sharing my story helps one person put a bottle of pills down or, or decide to pick up a phone and call someone or to go to the gym the next day or to start writing um, in their journal or whatever, to start feeling better about themselves, to basically fight for themselves, then I'm happy to share my story with whoever. Um, and you like know, you said, that- it's, it, it is way more common than I think we even realize because oh, there's yeah. so much shame in feeling depressed or attempting suicide. I know <laughs> for myself, I, I have battled anxiety and depression my entire life. And I had suicide attempts when I was a child, a teenager, yeah. but I would never tell anyone that because I, no. I carried so much shame. You know, it's like people would yeah. say, oh, I've never thought about that. And I would think, well, I have, but I'm never going to admit that to you because what will you think of me? Well, and for the longest time, even after I told my story, if you listen to my story that I did on the air, um, I couldn't even say attempted suicide. Yeah. I said that I was going to swallow a bunch of pills. Like I was so ashamed to even admit, to even say the words, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to work through that shame and that guilt. And I felt so shameful when I told my daughter, it was like, I was telling her that I killed someone, you know what I mean? Well, it, and I think I just, that sometimes I remember my mom used to say that is the most selfish thing. And that yeah. makes you feel like garbage. Cause you're thinking I would never mean to be selfish. That's not what I was thinking, you yeah. know? Well, and I would have never thought, myself, like I never would have said that I was a suicidal person, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, you don't know that you are until you're there, right? Until you're in that moment. And luckily, and and you're thinking so you're thinking so irrationally, you know? Oh, yeah. And for me, I just I really wanted to sleep. I just wanted to go to sleep for a really long time. But what is that? That's dying. You know what I mean? So like taking eight sleeping pills is you're not waking up from that. And luckily, you know, I, I stopped myself before I got to that point And I was like, what are you doing? Like I li- it was 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday night. And I'm like, what are you doing? Your child is down the hall and your in-laws are downstairs and you have people that love you. This, what are you doing? And unfortunately, not everybody is able to do that. I know mm-hmm. how lucky I am that my brain kicked in and said, what the F, you know? Yes. So, yes. And, and the next morning I drove to Walmart and I picked up seven notebooks and I just started writing every single goal I've ever had in huh. my life in these notebooks. And that's how I've been living the last year and a half of my life. It's crazy and how that moment sounds like it actually saved you. Really? It did. I, I, and I honestly think that if that moment would have, wouldn't have happened when my ex told me he wanted a divorce, I don't know that I would have been able to handle it the way that I'm doing now. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Because that woke me up to what the heck are you doing? Like you have just let this take over, you know, and it's hard. It's a struggle. I'm not on antidepressants anymore. I've been off of them for six months. I had not even been on them until two years ago. 
um, because I finally just said, there is something wrong with me. I don't know what it is. It's something I can't fix myself. I went to my doctor and said, what do I do? They put me on a mild antidepressant. It actually really helped for a while, but then with that other you know, medication my neurologist gave me, it just messed my whole body up. Mm-hmm. And so I just got off of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a struggle. Like you've got to find things that you can do to get yourself out of it, but you also have to be okay with looking at the people in your lives and say, I'm having a bad day today. I don't need you to fix anything. I just need you to know that I'm having a bad day. Mm -hmm. I'm probably not going to talk a lot. I might cry. I might just need to watch Disney Plus. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And and being okay with that. I think it's it's being okay with being you being okay with it and other people being okay with it. You know, they don't have to fix it. Just let you have your time. And I mean, I would show up to work and cry in between breaks. I've been there so, many times. You know, yeah. And my, yeah, my morning show partner is like the best person in the world and, <laughs> and so supportive and so patient. And I would literally, we would go into a break and talk about what amazing things are happening in the world because our show is very positive. And then the mic, he'd shut the mic off and I would just break down and cry. And this was like months at a time. And I think that you know, goes I, to show what we see on social media from everyone else. You don't know what's mm-hmm. behind that picture. Yep. Exactly. And, you know, the listeners didn't know. And and I try and be as transparent as I can. So I would share things when I felt it was necessary, but the show shouldn't all be about me, you know. So so you want to make people feel good on their way to work, and that's what the show is about. But every once in a while, I would share things that were going on. But I now use social media to kind of put those things out there every once in a while. And I get a good response every time I do it, just to remind people, like, you know, today I'm not having a great day. You might not have be having a great day either, and it's totally okay. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, you know, but you do what you need to do for you to get out of it. And everybody's got an opinion. Like when I was going through my divorce, everyone gave me advice sure. and had, opi- had opinions. And you listen to it and you take it in, but at the end of the day, you need to do what you need to do for you because my divorce is not your divorce. It's my divorce. Mm-hmm. And I tried to make it as easy as possible for my ex. I don't. For me, I was with this person for 20 years. There is no reason for me to make this any more difficult than it needs to be. And I still care about this person. I don't wish them any ill will. You know, I forgive him for what he did, and I hope he forgives me for what I did because neither of us are perfect, and it takes two people to get to the point where you get to a divorce. And and I, you know, and it's hard because you've got everybody kind of coming in with their two cents and they have their ex that they're dealing with. So they want to put that on you. Yeah. So I would occasionally have to remind my ex, who are you talking to today? Because that's not me. And he's like, you're right. That's not you. And I said, let's just focus on the fact that we can stay positive. You know, we don't have to be each other's best friend, but we don't have to be each other's worst enemy either. Yeah. It doesn't do any good. And what it doesn't, it doesn't even help anything. What were some of the things that people would say to you or what kind of a response did you get going through your divorce in the public eye? It's so funny because everybody wants to give you positive advice and and try and uplift you, right? So I would get a lot of, you know, just take this time and really focus on yourself and your career. And I'm like, what do you think I've been doing for the last 15 years? Yeah. (laughs) My career is what I've been doing. Um, if I want to be successful and I, and this will sound super cocky, but I'm good at what I do. And if I want to be super successful, I will be right now. I have a great job that I enjoy. I go to work and then I just want to go home. I'm going to focus on me right now. I'm not going to focus on a career. I'm not going to focus on a relationship. I'm going to focus on me and my daughter being healthy. And, um, but I would get that a lot. Yeah, just take this time and find yourself. And this is how I feel about finding myself because my ex said he needed to go find himself. And this might be an unpopular opinion and, and that's fine. I don't think that we ever lose our, ourselves. I think that we always know who we are, but right. it's whether we have the courage to let ourselves be who we are with the person that we're with. I did not let myself fully be who I was with my ex because I was afraid that he didn't like that part of me. Yeah. And, and maybe he didn't. I mean, I felt like yeah. with my ex-husband, I could have never truly been myself and he would have accepted that. And and that's okay. We just weren't a good fit in the end right? because of right. that. But I should be with someone, everyone should be with someone that they truly can be their genuine self. Right. And when you, when you suppress that for so long, it's then hard to bring 
to allow yourself to be yourself. So it took me a long time, and I'm still working on it, is being who I really am and being not afraid of what people are going to think about it, right? Because I've also worked in an industry for 15 years that you're supposed to be who your boss (laughs) and the public want you to be Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in this stage, and then you go home and you can be whatever you want. So in entertainment, I'm five different people at any given time. All those people are a part of who I am, but who am I really? You know what I mean? So I'm trying to figure out out of all of those different personalities, which one am I and do I really like that person? So it's, it's not that I'm trying to find myself. It's, it's, I'm trying to find the guts to be my true self all the time. Well, I felt like Uh, you, especially since going through your divorce, have been brave in putting yourself out there online and saying, this is who I am. This is how I'm feeling today. And what is that? What has that been for you? That journey of, of kind of throwing it out there, not being afraid of who you are. And then because you're a public figure getting feedback from that. Yeah. It's so what it, what social media is for me, um, I mean, obviously, it's a big part of my job, um, but also changing uh, the perception of who I am on social media has been a little bit difficult because um, because for so long I have been this very specific personality on social media and then kind of trying to change that to who to more of the authentic me. It has actually upset people (laughs) because I'm a role model. I'm a role model and I shouldn't say these things and I shouldn't do these specific things. And and so I get a lot of backlash um, about it and kind of working through that and being okay with not everybody's going to be okay with who you are. Um, And I obviously there are some things I can't share on social media just because of my job. Um, But what I use social media for now is is. It's basically I hold myself accountable, right? So if I post that I need to lose 10 pounds and I put it out on social media, I'm like, okay, well, I just told everybody that. So they're going to look for the follow up. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. But also I feel like when you have, when you're lucky enough to have some sort of platform, which I have had for a long time because of my job, um, I think it's kind of, not a responsibility, but kind of an honor to be able to help people in any way that you can. And if my journey, how hard it has been for me, sharing it helps someone else, that's also therapy for me Mm -hmm. because I feel like, okay, I didn't go through all of this for nothing. Um, But also... it's nice when somebody says, I totally feel like that too. And you're like, okay, I'm not the only one out here, right. you know, like, uh, and, and I, I really, it upsets me when people compare their stories because my hurt is no less than your hurt and your hurt is no less than mine, regardless of the situation. You know, when, when people are going through something hard, regardless of what the situation is, it's hard. Yep. And, and it's their own it's their own issue. And I, I hate the comparison game too, because it's like, just because my hard isn't quote as hard as your hard or it doesn't mean that yeah. my what I'm going through is not valid. I still yeah. have the right to feel hurt or feel sad or whatever I'm going through. And yeah, it, I don't like I hate the comparison game. I think that we need to make a major shift in our society where we stop yeah. comparing and start connecting because even though our situations could look so different, it's surprising when you try to make those little connections, how you can. Someone well, that I used to be a, a huge jerk about it. Like when I, cause I used to manage um, radio Disney and I had a ton of employees. And when, when I was over there, my mom died and you know, she had been struggling with cancer for a long time and I took a couple of days off and then I was right back at work and then I would have people and I didn't recognize it at the time because again, I'm, I've grown up in this family that you don't share the ugly things. You only mm-hmm. share the pretty things. You don't ask for help. You just, you get up and go. Right. Yeah. yeah. And 
So I would be like, well, I'm at work. My mom just died and I'm here. Like, what's your excuse? Sure. Like I was a dick about it. Right. (laughs) And so I'd have these people that were going through hard times. And I'm like, I don't understand why you can't shake it off, come do your job and then go home. Yeah. My heart's harder than your heart. Yeah. I, I just like, I didn't get it because for me, like work was a thing that I enjoyed, but I also work was work and play was play. It's not personal. It's business. Yep. Boy, was I wrong. Like everything's personal. Yes. You should be able to kind of like, if you have to go to work, you should be able to take a minute and just kind of be there. But if you can't, it should be okay for you to say, I can't. Yeah. And you know, I, I look back now at, at you know, how I would treat people in that situation. I've apologized to all of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've, I've said, I am, I remember when you were going through this and I'm sorry if I, you know, uh, did not respond well because I get it now. And, yeah. and so I don't really fault people, you know, like my ex really doesn't get depression and he doesn't get that because he's one of those people that if he's going to do something, he just does it. And he doesn't understand how people can't, he is a great person. And I wish that, you know, I had more of that in me, but I don't. And so like when I can't now, I say that I can't instead of just going through with it. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard thing to practice. <laughs> you it know, is. to practice to not be busy all the time is was really hard for me. And to not um, feel guilt over that. I know when I'm not busy, right. when I choose to have some self-care time or even just watch a movie, whatever. I, I like, I have such a hard time enjoying it because I feel like I have all these other things that I could be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And when you tell people, no, I'm sorry, I can't show up to your thing. You know, Yeah. like I, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to just say that um, being with, you know, doing what I need to do for me is enough. So that's been a struggle for me to work through, but you know, I, I know that a lot of people were like, it's going to be hard for you um, to be lonely and be alone, but just find things that distract you. Um, and I I haven't, since my divorce, had an issue being alone. Which is unique. I've, I'll admit, I've really struggled with that. I have to, when I get in that space where I'm lonely, it makes my head spin and I go to dark places and I have to remind myself, this is a moment in time. You don't have the kids this weekend or whatever it is and you'll feel differently (laughs) tomorrow, but you, you haven't struggled in that way so much. What are some of the different areas that you, that have been a struggle post-divorce? Cause I I feel like you're being super positive and, and you tackle things the right way, but uh, divorce is hard in different ways for everyone. It's really hard. It's really hard and it's devastating, you know, and for me, because me and my ex were so independent, even with each other, right? So I had kind of my own hobbies and my own job and my stuff. And I did a lot of things on my own. And so did he. And so my whole life, like I said, I was very independent. So for me, what I'm struggling with right now, and I have two therapists. So I have a therapist that kind of handles all of my regular stuff. And this is new. Like I finally, just a year later, I said, okay, I'm ready for therapy now. Because I wasn't a year ago. There was no way I could have done it. Um, and he said, you know what, you, you are unlike most people where you don't mind sleeping in a bed alone, even after 20 years, and you don't mind going home to a house alone. And I think it's because I'm so used to being with so many people and just having this quiet is so nice for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know how to have a relationship and that's what I'm struggling with. Like not even a good friendship. I don't trust anyone. I, when I start getting close to people, I shut it down. So for me, it's being able to say, you don't have to do it by yourself. Because even being married, I felt like I did a lot of things on my own and by myself. And for me to rely on someone to help me and to tell them that I need that help and to say, you know, I'm going to depend on this person to do these things for me and I'm not going to feel like less of a person for it, that's what I'm having a hard time with. You know, I've over the past year have have gone on dates and have people that care about me and want to be in a relationship with me and I absolutely can't do it. Yeah, you're just so not in that space. And and I think yeah. too, it's when you go through divorce, you realize, oh, this can fail and it could happen again. You, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, scary. okay, so who am, yeah, who am I going to go all in with? And is it going to work? So I go through, I'm an analyzer, you know, so I go through 
every which way something can go. And then by that point, I'm like, all right, it's not like I just I don't want to be. And so right now I'm at a point where I really would like to lean on someone. I would like to be in a relationship. I would like to feel feelings, but I don't know how to do that. And so I'm working through that. So for me, it's like, okay, I really like being independent. I really like having my bed to myself. I really like the fact that I don't have to check in with anyone. But at the same time, at the end of the day, I would love to have a person that's my person. Yeah. yeah. What What does that look like? Because I've never been in a healthy relationship. Not, my marriage, as much as we did, you know, I think at some points love each other and, and care about each other, we didn't have a healthy relationship. I don't know how to do that. You know, even my relationship with my siblings and my parents, and uh, it was always kind of, I, we didn't share our feelings. Yeah. We, you know, and so I'm kind of trying to, I'm learning how to be a human. <laughs> I feel a little bit like a robot. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. You're so retraining that, you know, a lot. Yeah. Retraining a lot. So I just, and it, and it's a little bit difficult to look someone in the eye that you're dating and say, you know, I'm I'm sorry that I don't, I do care about you, but I'm sorry that I, I'm not, I can't actually have feelings. And this is what's heartbreaking to me. And I have actually have not told anyone this except for like one of my friends and my therapist. But the reason why I decided to start therapy is because I, I was sitting at home one night and my daughter who is 18 now was out and I, my whole life, well, her whole life, I've always been like checking in with her. I need to know where she is like all these things. And I had realized I hadn't talked to her the whole day. And she was staying with her dad at the time. She was living with her dad. So I would always check in and I hadn't talked to her for a day. And I just thought, this is weird. I know that I love my daughter because I've loved her my whole life and her whole life. But right now I don't feel anything. Hmm. Because when you go through a divorce and you're trying to get over a love, you kind of have to get yourself into this indifferent area where you've gone through all the phases of mourning, right? You're not angry with them anymore. You're not sad anymore. You're not in love with them anymore. You're just kind of in an indifferent phase, right? right? Yeah. I got so indifferent and I let myself get so indifferent that I have absolutely no feelings about anything. Yeah. And I don't know if you were, I mean, child. <laughs> you, I don't know if you were on medication at that time, but I have no. noticed when, okay, you weren't, I've noticed because no. uh, I've had, um, like right now I'm on an anti-anxiety, antidepressant medication and I will notice, I just kind of don't care about anything, you know? And that, yeah. I have to check that a lot knowing that I'm on yeah. that medication saying like, okay, normally I would care about this. And that's the medication speaking because yeah, I think you can, maybe even without medication, you can get in these spaces where you're just like, I just don't care at all. Yeah, you. well, I mean, it's a fight or flight thing that you do because you were hurting for so long and you mm -hmm. don't want to hurt mm -hmm. that much anymore. And so you get to indifference and then you realize indifference is great, but then you have to at some point stop and and start working on caring again. I just let myself go past the indifference and now I'm just kind of floating in this area of, um, I don't care. And it's not that I don't have feelings. And this is my therapist is like, you have all of the emotions because I can cry on a dime, <laughs> but you have none of the feelings that go with the emotions. You don't know why you're doing that. Interesting. He knows. Yeah. And I know he knows. And I know that I love my daughter more than anything, but I don't feel the emotions. And it's such a weird place to be in because I've put myself in a place so that I can just function um, and not feel any pain or hurt because I'm not just trying to get over my divorce. Obviously, I got into this deep depression because of a lot of other things, right, that I'm trying to heal and overcome. Yeah. And so it was a lot of hurt all at one time that just kind of shut me down. And so once I had realized, okay, I don't really, like I go to work and I do my job, but I'm not trying to be the best. And that's been me my whole life. I'm not okay with mediocre like I'm always trying to be the best at what I'm doing. And that's why I'm constantly wanting to learn and I'm constantly wanting to do new jobs and new events is because like I want to be better. And right now I don't care. Like I just, I want to go to work. I want to do my job. I want to go to the gym. I want to go home. And that's it. Yeah. So I have to talk myself into going out and hanging out with people um, I, because I really just don't want to do anything. 
I don't really have feelings about a whole lot of things. <laughs> and so that's why I was like, there's, there's something here that I can't fix on my own. I'm going to now go to therapy. Yeah. What so has divorce that, looked like having a daughter that, so your, your daughter, Sammy was 17 when you went through divorce, yeah. having yeah, a, right a, a child at that age. And then now you're, you're in this space where you're kind of phasing out of raising her. What are right. your feelings on that? What was that like? Um, I mean, yeah, it was right before her 17th birthday that we um, broke up and her dad moved out like a couple weeks before her birthday. And, you know, I just really, um, for her, I sat her down and I just said, because she came to me one day and she said, Mom, I can hear you crying in your closet in your bathroom. You don't need to hide in there because I, <laughs> yeah, cause I we know. don't want our kids to see us like that, right? Which is the wrong kind of response because... I grew up thinking it's not okay to be upset. And so I suppressed all my feelings and I don't want my daughter to do the same thing. So I said, you're right. I, and so I sat her down and I just said, my pain is not your pain. My anger is not your anger. I said, I'm going to go through a lot of things. Um, I also said the F word is going to be my favorite thing for the next <laughs> year. So I apologize. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I just said, my relationship with your dad is not your relationship with your dad. And I, and I, only once have lost lost it in front of her about her dad. I don't talk badly about her dad um, to anyone, um, barely to myself even, you know, um, just because it's just not a thing that I want to do. It's not a place I want to be. But it was definitely difficult because I wanted her to be in a stable situation because it's her last couple of years of high school. Those are really important, you know. Yeah. And so, um, but I also wanted to make sure that she knew that I was going to, that I was struggling and going through some things and that it wasn't her fault. Um, but that it, that I was getting help and, and it is a little weird now because she's got a boyfriend and she's got a job and she has a life. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm getting out of one life and I'm also trying to figure out how to deal with this other thing where being a mom, isn't going to be a huge part of what I'm doing. You know, yeah, it's not going to be so much a part she, of your identity. Yeah, really, she needs me for gas money and groceries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah. not even gas money as much anymore because she has a job, you know, and she has friends and she has a life. And so, you know, trying to have balance between, okay, I still want to be helping her, but I also want her to learn how to help herself. Um, and then also it's kind of empty nesting and, you know, just – but you know, me being okay with, okay, it's Saturday night and I'm just going to sit here and watch a movie by myself and that's okay. Right. You know, right. so it's, 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 I think it would have been a bigger change if I wouldn't have gone through the divorce because I would have noticed it more, but we've had so much change in the last year that it just kind of has become this natural thing. Um, but she's, I know she has struggled a little bit, um, with the divorce and, going back and forth between me and her dad. And, you know, so I try and let her do what she needs to do for her to get through that. And I try to be here to listen yeah. when she needs me, but I understand that she's not going to come to me, but I'm happy to know that she has like my sister to talk to. She has her grandma to talk to. She has friends. Um, and I can't take it personally. I did at first it was very sad that she didn't want to come talk to me about what she was going through. And then I just realized, you know, she probably doesn't want to put more pain on me. Yeah. And I know, think that it's okay to allow other people to help our kids. Sometimes we think that we've got to exactly. do it all, you know, and it's yeah. okay for them to love other people and need other people and for them yeah. to get a different opinion than what we would give, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think at first I took it a little bit um, hard because I felt like, you know, my ex left me, he didn't need me. Now she, you know, doesn't really need me for a whole lot anymore. So I was like, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. this moment of, you know, I need somebody to need me. And then I was like, you know what, I just need to take care of myself and be okay with it. She knows I'm here. Um, she knows I love her. Um, and if she needs me, she'll come to me and I'll check in with her and, you know, and, and, but letting, I, I'm just really proud that she is, being self-sufficient because that's what we want for our kids, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we want it. We want it. We want to get them there, but we also really want them to still need us yeah. at the same time. Yeah. You know? So speaking yeah, of it's, being it's crazy, speaking of being self-sufficient, I know one of the more difficult aspects 
for me that I think a lot of us don't talk about um, when it comes to divorce is the financial difficulties. I would think even irrationally sometimes, you know, I would think things like, I just want to be with someone because I want that other paycheck. (laughs) You know, I (laughs) I mean, that sounds horrible, but I would think like, I want to be married again. I'd even think about like getting back together with my ex-husband because I miss that paycheck because it's that kind of hard. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I guess I didn't, I haven't had those thoughts. I'm really not, I don't know that I'll, I, I probably will have someone again. I don't know that I'll ever like marry. I'm not running towards marriage, but, yeah. um, but well, and I was me, thinking, I, think, I was thinking irrational, yeah, you know, I'd have to say like, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's not how I really no, I mean, feel. I, def- I, I definitely thought like, like I've had those moments because I, we had just bought the house and then two weeks after we, mo- we moved in, he said he wanted the divorce. So I was a little upset that we had just bought this house because sure. we had just moved again. My daughter also has anxiety and, and it's a lot of change. It was the beginning of the school year. And I was like, I don't want to move us again. And I said, but I know you're going through a hard time. You go do what you need to do. I will take over the house. So I took on a mortgage payment that was meant for two paychecks um, my, by myself for nine months. Yeah. And that ruined me. But that was because I really wanted my kid to feel like she had a safe place to be. I thought I was doing the right thing for my kid, even though it was killing me financially. It ended up ruining my credit. We did end up selling the house. Um, But I I thought as a mom, because you have to make these split decisions when this stuff happens. And you have to do what you think is right at the time. And at the time, it was right for us. And I do think it helped us staying there. but you know, it, now I'm paying for it basically. Um, so the financial is hard, but for me, um, it is stressful, especially right now. Like where I'm moving again, I moved, um, in with some friends for a while because I just thought it would be good. Um, and now I'm moving in with my dad who is 75. Um, and it's the house I grew up in and I, we're going to stay there until Sammy graduates. But it is one of those things like when he asked me if I wanted to do that months ago, I immediately dismissed it because I thought, I don't want to be that loser that moved back in with her parents at 40. You know what I mean? I do. And, and I think I, that we, you know, ha- have these visions in our in our head where we're like, oh, it's it's got to look this way. Or there's, again, there's that right. shame like, oh, I don't want to be that yeah. person. But, yeah. you know, if that's what's going to get you on track financially well, or maybe mentally or whatever it, it looks like, who cares? You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And I just thought to myself also, like, maybe he wanted me to come be here as well. Yeah. He's got this huge house. He's 75. You know, we ha- we don't spend a lot of time together. And I just thought, you know what? I have goals that I want to get to financially. I also have goals that I want to take my daughter on some trips before she's so much into her own life independently that it does, you know, that I can't get time from her. And so I just said, you know what, who cares? Like if somebody's really going to judge me on moving in to my dad's basement, yeah. then let them, you let know? it be their so problem. Just, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and so, I think that, it, yeah. you know, even though I'm sure that's never the way you saw things, it yeah. could end up being the best years of your life. You know, you never know. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited. And and we really are. I mean, I really only do plan on staying until about July. But I, I was just like, you know, if this is what I need and what he needs and what my daughter needs, like, I, it doesn't matter to me what somebody else thinks about it. I could go and move into an apartment that's way overpriced and I could be living paycheck to paycheck just so that I feel better about me taking care of myself. But at the end of the day, am I really taking care of myself if I'm doing that? You know, I don't think so. Yeah. So yeah. it's just you you have we all put these pressures on ourselves and we all put these preconceived notions about what other people are going to think about us and it's one of those things that I'm not there yet but you know I have some people that I know that are at that point in their life where they don't care what other people think. I don't think I'll ever be to that point especially because of what I do for a living. Sure. It's my job to care about what other people think. Um and I and I don't think it's bad all the time. It's only bad when you start changing things in your life because of those thoughts, right? Well, and I think um, we we think that other people are always thinking about us and the reality is they're most thinking about they're themselves. not. They're thinking about themselves. <laughs> they don't care. They don't care yeah. about any yeah. of what we think they care about for the most part. They might spend a hot minute on it, yeah. be, you know, and then yeah. they're done and they move on with their day. Yeah. So I just, yeah, so I mean, I just, I've swallowed so much pride in the past year <laughs> that um, that it's great. 
You know, like there really isn't anything else at this point um, that I could lose by by making choices. You know what I mean? Like I've been all the way to the bottom emotionally. I've been all the way to the bottom physically. I've been all the way to the bottom financially. And the only thing that I have now is to go up. And, you know, I have my good days and my bad days. And I have a lot of things that I still need to work out, um, a lot of things. But I'm at a point where... Like, I'm okay with it. I'm mm-hmm. okay with not being okay. I'm okay with being a little overweight. I'm okay with not um, being the best at what I do for the moment because I know it's going to get better. Yeah. Um, but this is also my opinion is you have to want to get better. You have to you join the fight. Wait. Yeah. I, and I, I understand that it's hard and I understand that it's a struggle, um, but you have to care about yourself enough to say not anymore. Like you, like you, you deserve to be happy and you're not going to be doing this anymore. And then you have to fight for yourself every day. And there's going to be days you don't want to fight for yourself and you want to stay in sweatpants and you want to eat all (laughs) of the mashed potatoes in the refrigerator and you don't want to talk to anyone and you don't want to shower. And that's okay. As long as you say that's only going to be for today Mm -hmm. and then tomorrow don't do that. You know, like fight for yourself. It's hard. It is a hard thing to do. Yeah. I think that you're doing an incredible job in doing that. And I have just been so inspired with your bravery in sharing your life and putting yourself out there and saying, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Um, What where can people find you if they'd like to join your journey? Uh, if they want to join my journey, they can definitely, um, you know, uh, follow me on, uh, uh, it's, I am Val Cameron on Facebook, um, on there. And then I do have right now. So I, I'm not doing a whole lot of blogging right now because it does take a lot of time away from the things I need to be focusing on, but I am going to be bringing blogs back, um, pretty soon on, uh, online. And so I'll put links on, I am Val Cameron on Facebook and Instagram that, uh, you can, you can follow. Um, I do blog some on B98.7.com. So you can do that there. Um, my Facebook page is public. Um, I am Valerie Cameron. It's public. I put a lot of stuff there. You can definitely follow me there as well. Um, I have kind of a fun podcast that's all about movies that you're working on. Uh, That's, you know, you got to find the things that make you happy and you got to be okay with doing them. And my movies that make us podcast um, is so good for me right now. Um, I love to just get on there and talk about movies because, you know, movies are a big part of my life. Um, So that's good. Uh, But yeah, so I am Val Cameron or I am Valerie Cameron, both of those places you can follow me. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being willing to share your story and the lessons that you've learned along the way. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.